Ranked matches and prove it games all across the country. Plus, Duke and Kansas are actually good at football. We answer this question and break down the full slate of week four here on the Three Technique College Football Podcast at the intersection of the X's Nose and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. Guys, so much to get into this week. We have some news nuggets, we have a number of headliner games. Uh, basically from our headliners to then the featured games to then the second channel games, like our notes just kept going. This is a very, very solid slate of football. Trey, you were uh, a little under the weather last week. We need to do a status check. How, how are we doing today? <clears throat> Testing one, two. So that should <laughs> tell you about where we're at, but I'm here to fight through this with you guys. So this week was too good for me to not sit this one out. So we're going to fight couldn't, through it. You, you couldn't punt on this week like Iowa and Rutgers will be all Saturday. Is that a good analogy? Oh, we will talk about Iowa Rutgers. I will make sure that we talk about Iowa Rutgers because that game is going to be worth <laughs> everyone's time this weekend. <laughs> Garrett, what are you most excited about for this week? I mean, it's it's truly everything across the board. You've got ranked games. You've got just interesting matchups. Like, like I mentioned, I just kept having to add games to this roster, it really feels like we are starting to separate kind of contenders from pretenders and everything in between. Yeah, you just said it, man. It's going to be a prove it week for a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams that I think feel like they're kind of either right on the verge of being competitive, maybe, you know, outside shot at a playoff or, you know, threatened within their division. And there's going to be a lot of those matchups where one of those teams is going to keep going and one of those teams, they're done. That's their season. They don't get to keep going for that goal anymore, right? So, Lots of excitement with that. Lots of uh, lots of pressure, and I love it when that college football gets stakes on it. So, uh, yeah, excited to see what this is and uh, to break it down with you guys. Yeah, this should be a really fun week. If you are brand new to the show, first of all, welcome to the Three Technique. Glad to have you. We continue to grow each and every week thanks to listener support like you. If you are new, please consider hitting that subscribe button on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all the ma- uh, major publications. Also, leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind. Again, it continues to help us grow the show, uh, continues to show the algorithm that there is a lot of activity here with the three technique, and that means that it recommends on for you pages and, and stuff like that. Uh, if you are not also following us on our social media account, head over to at three tech pod on Instagram and Twitter. We post daily on both platforms. We keep you informed on everything going on in the college football landscape and interact with you guys a lot on game day as well. So follow us on social media if you have not. Guys, without further ado, couple of nuggets to get into here. Major news item to get to right out of the gate, Herm Edwards no longer at Arizona State. Apparently he was not fired on the field, but fired shortly thereafter. He's out in Tempe. Uh, A number of names have already been thrown around as uh, possible 
suggestions for that job, but guys, that program certainly it's stock down for Arizona State, right? I mean, this was one of the kind of the most I don't know, fun jobs, fiery jobs. Like they have a really cool brand. It's obviously a big party school where you should be able to get a lot of talented recruits to come. And just from one thing after the next, Arizona State seems to have made the wrong decisions. They've been embroiled in this NCAA investigation. Now they're getting blown out at home by Eastern Michigan. It just has not been a good scene. And, you know, amongst all the different kinds of coaching staff, uh, guys being let go, guys stepping down. Herm Edwards finally mutually parted ways with Arizona State. That's code for fired. Kenny Dillingham, offensive coordinator at Oregon, certainly one of the big names that's been thrown around there. Um, your thoughts generally on this? Uh, good for Arizona State, a tough look for Arizona State. Where do, where do we see the Sun Devils? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think you're going to see Arizona State come out on the other side probably in a better situation it's a failed experiment this herm edwards thing was an experiment from the get-go bringing in an nfl head coach he said he wanted to run the program in an nfl style you know i hate that the guy got fired the way he did it looked like he got fired on the field after that eastern michigan game which you never want to see that i've heard of fired on the tarmac i've never actually yeah. seen fired on the field but man this had you had to know this was coming with all the sanctions looming with all the breaking of the rules during the COVID dead period, which, you know, it was just a gentleman's agreement between all the college head coaches not to take visits. And here's Herm Edwards and his staff taking visits during the COVID dead period. So you had to know this was coming, but it still sucks for the guy. I hope Arizona state can find a new guy to lead that program. That program can be something. I think there's a lot of talent in Arizona. You're seeing Jed fish start to get some of that talent um, in Tucson, but they're going to have to find someone that wants to commit to them for a long haul rebuild. Cause I think it's going to be a difficult rebuild. Yeah. And tough with the conference realignment, the way it is and losing some of your bigger schools. I know that they haven't lost everybody, but yeah, not having those couple schools down there in South Carolina, uh, South California is going to be pretty rough. I, I sort of wonder what that conversation was like on the field. You know, if they was firing them just shortly thereafter, like what was that conversation about? Right. What what were they actually saying? Like, hey, man, we're about to fire you. Just thought we'd let you know. Like, what were they saying there in the end? Zone? I, I don't know. I'm confused by it. It was a weird look. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing where if you're a guy that might be thinking of it, that might give you a little cause to pause as far as sort of dynamics within the administration and professionalism stuff. I don't know what it was. And I'm not going to you know say that it was definitely bad, but it was a weird look for me. Sorry, there were some amateur lip readers on Twitter that were saying it looked like they were saying don't go to the team or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys saw that, but mm -hmm. that's what I saw that it looked like people were reading between the lines there. So, yeah. Well, and they, they do redirect him in that video, right? Like he's headed down the tunnel and then he kind of gets redirected off towards the side. So, you know, who knows? It, it, an incredibly tough look for Arizona State. Disappointing for Herm Edwards. You know, it just sounded like he didn't quite run the program the way that it needed to be run to sustain long-term success, to recruit at a high level, and ultimately to win on the field. Uh, they, they do get blasted by Eastern Michigan at home, just a, a tough, tough slate. We'll talk about the factory, actually, later on in this episode. Other news item to know, the SEC schedule got released for 2023 last night. You know, we could spend a long time breaking this schedule down. Many shows did last night, but Oh my gosh, Georgia's regular season schedule, it's like Michigan from this season. It's pathetically <laughs> easy. 
and the national talking heads guys, they're talking about Georgia winning 36 straight regular season games Ooh. as if it's already a foregone conclusion. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I think that there's a chance that they could end up going on that run. Um, with that being said, that's kind of just part of being Georgia. If you are Georgia, everyone's going to look worse by default, right? Uh, unless you're playing Alabama or Ohio State, the assumption is you're going to win that game anyways. There's not a lot of games they lose on paper. And even with Alabama and even with Ohio State, I think we would all agree, you probably pick them on paper over both those teams right now. And so, I mean, there's a real chance that Georgia could go on a run here. You know, that there's a whole lot of winning to be had there, and I think it's just going to start to establish them. I'm curious how that works with the power dynamics in the SEC with what Saban's built and everything else. I need to see who's going to be at quarterback next year for Georgia before I say they're going to win 36 straight games. But, I mean, they're doing it with Stetson Bennett right now, who I know he's balling out right now. See a Heisman front runner, Maybe. But, you know, if they can do it with Stetson Bennett, they can probably do it with almost anybody. Sure. All right, guys. There's your news and notes. Very, very quick uh, feature there. Let's move into week four headliners, the best games of the week, starting with our game of the week. And we actually differ from where the prevailing media is going. We will talk about Florida, Tennessee in just a second. But guys, for my money, when I look across the national landscape, one game stuck out to me as one that has potential playoff implications more than the others do. And that is number five, Clemson. They're 3-0 and going on the road to number 21, Wake Forest. Also a 3-0 and record. Clemson, a seven-point favorite this game Saturday morning on ABC. It is an 11 a.m. kick. This is my game of the week for one main reason. I, I truly believe that the possible ACC champion is born this weekend. Um, and I, I think you can see this out through a couple of different scenarios. Clemson's defense, beyond scary, right? One of the most talented units in the country. But that offense hardly does anything to scare you, right? DJU, if, listen, if he can't show the world that he has what it takes to win a big game on the road, I truly believe that Clemson is looking for ways to flip to Cade Klubnik. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this before. I think you have a 2018 situation where DJU, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Kelly Bryant starts in College Station. He's not getting it done against the Aggies. It's a very close game. And Clemson has looked for excuses all along or ways, easy ways to hand the reins over to Trevor Lawrence. He comes in as a true freshman, wins that game, goes on to win a national championship. I'm not saying that Clemson is going to win the national championship if they turn it over to Cade Klubnik, but the scenario is scary similar. And I just don't, I haven't seen anything from Uyunglele that leads me to believe that he can lead Clemson to a big time road win against a very solid Wake team that has Sam Hartman back. I mean, he's thrown for 671 yards, seven touchdowns, a couple of picks. I'm leaning towards Wake in this game because I think they're going to be able to put up a few points in this through the air. A.T. Perry's been scary all season long. 11 a.m. kick. It's a road game for the Tigers. A very, very leaky offense. That formula, to me, equals home dog. So give me lucky dog of the week. Wake Forest plus seven to lead us off. It's interesting because, you know, yeah, this might be DJU's last shot at greatness at Clemson, right? If he doesn't win this game, there's going to be a lot of calls for Cade Klubnik. You have to think he's feeling that pressure to perform. Obviously, we haven't seen practice. We haven't seen 
how Cade Clubnett's actually performing in front of the coaches. But Clemson's defense scares me away a little bit from picking Wake because did you guys know Clemson has won this game 13 years in a row, dating back to 2008. The last time Clemson beat Wake or Wake beat Clemson was 2008. So yeah, wow. I'm a little nervous. It seems like Sam Hartman, his kryptonite is this Clemson defense. And that's true for a lot of really good quarterbacks in the ACC. But it's last year, you look at the game, it was 48-27 Clemson. It looked like DJU was actually good in that game uh, later <laughs> in the year. That's when the lights started to come on a little bit for him. And Wake's never been accused of having an elite defense, right? So if we're ever going to have a even just a blip in the radar game for DJU, I think it could be this week against Wake. Seven points is a really good line. I'm actually leaning towards taking Clemson. I think I picked Wake in the spread option when I filled out my picks, but I'm going to officially go on the record with Clemson. I think that defense is just going to continue to give Sam Hartman problems. He's made three starts against Clemson already in his career. He's only thrown one touchdown. So it's a situation where they typically come into this game with a lot of hype, a lot of Mm -hmm. expectations, and they leave – uh, the game against Clemson just kind of scratching their heads typically over the last few years. Yeah, you know, when you guys were talking about this earlier and we started to bring up this might be the game with the playoff implications, I was like, come on, guys. it's We're talking week four here, right? We're not talking playoffs. We're not talking all the way down the line in December. But the more I thought about it, yeah, I think this is a game we're going to be talking about that first weekend in December. You know, if you think about it, this could be a situation where, let's say Clemson loses the game, but they win out, win the ACC. You could be talking about the early loss situation, right? And, okay, well, how good did Wake end up being? And, you know, Sam Hartman coming back and, you know, all of that. But then you flip the coin and you say, well, if Wake wins this thing, then they're kind of in the driver's seat to go ahead and, you know, make a run at this conference. And so, you know, I think this is going to be a huge game for implications. I think you're right on with that. Uh, just breaking it down, Sam Hartman has not missed a beat since coming back. You know, I know that he had to miss a bunch of time, but, he looks fresh. I'd like to see the completion percent come up a little bit. I think he's somewhere around like 45 and 71 or something like that. And so I'd like to see the completions come up a little bit, but the numbers are there. The yardage is there. The touchdowns are there. The picks aren't there, which is nice. Um, and, and he just looked really good. I think they have a better run game than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, they don't go to the run maybe as much as you would expect with this team and the way that they're built, but they definitely have the run game to go to. And, yeah, you hit it right on the head, man. A.T. Perry, he's a stud. He's probably one of the first wide receivers off the board when he goes. He's a stud. He's really good. I think he's extremely underappreciated for what he is. DJU is going to have to be good for this one to go their way, right? I think he has to be good. He doesn't have an option. You can't play an average game because I think this Wake Forest offense just executes if he doesn't, right? If he's bad, if he makes mistakes, I think this offense is going to make him pay for it, especially at home. All that being said, I think Clemson's defense goes on the road and does what they have to do to win. I think they do just barely enough to win, not cover. I'm picking Wake to cover this one plus seven. But I do think Clemson wins this one and sort of a a scratch it out, make one more play on the defensive side of the ball that gives DJU just enough grace, just enough wiggle room to find enough so that they can win. Sure. I'm I'm with you. I, I think Clemson does win this game. I will not be shocked if Wake does, but no, not shocked. With with especially, you know, this is an 11 a.m. kick. It's kind of you didn't exactly blow out Louisiana Tech last week. You did put up 48, but your defense also gave up 20. Not that that's you know necessarily a black eye, but 
we're just we're looking for that complete four quarters of game from Clemson. And if you look at the box scores, you might think that they're fine and dandy and and maybe back to the Clemson ways of old, right? Blowing out Georgia Tech on uh, on the box score. That was a very close game yeah. until the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Furman didn't exactly go out and light the world on fire against Furman. <laughs> and then you, you play Louisiana Tech last week. The other thing that we haven't talked about, Clemson at home against NC State next week. So for a large majority of their season to come down to these next two weeks without them clicking offensively, and I think I think you're going to hear this tune a number of times during this preview, it makes me nervous. So I will take Clemson to win, but Wake to cover. Uh, that puts myself and Garrett on Wake. Trey's taking Clemson outright. I'm excited for that game. It is an 11 a.m. kick. Trey, you and I are going to have to catch the highlights and rewatch after that. We're going to be at the Iron Skillet. Um, but uh, nonetheless, the game of the week, certainly the one that we had to lead off with. The national game of the week is up next. Number 20, Florida against number 11, Tennessee. Florida 2-1, and one, Tennessee 3-0. and oh. The Vols, 11-point favorites at home. This is Saturday, CBS Game of the Week at 2.30 p.m. Central. Garrett, I'll let you lead off with this one. Uh, Florida, they got the upset against Utah in that opening game. They ruined one of our playoff picks, more than likely. But since then, they have not looked anything close to that Gators team that showed up in the opener. The offense has been shaky. The defense has given up points at really inopportune times. Which way do you lean in this game? Well, I mean, Florida didn't look that great in the opener, just to be clear. I, I said it at the time. They didn't impress me. They're pretty one-dimensional on offense, and this kind of leans into it. You know, for one of the better rivalries in college football, I think this game is going to be really tough to watch unless you're wearing balls colors. Um, Tennessee, they are explosive on offense. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in college football going right now. He's going up for an offense and, you know, against Florida and their offense, who right now they're struggling to move the ball. They can't really throw the ball. The run game's been good, but it's one-dimensional, right? You can shut it down pretty quick. Kentucky showed us how that goes. Um, You know, I I look at this game and I think that maybe Florida can kind of take advantage of a relatively weaker secondary, right? Maybe start getting something going. Tennessee doesn't have a bad secondary, but when it comes to their defense, the secondary is where the holes are. They, They won't be able to run the football, though. You know, they just they won't be able to. Tennessee's got a good run defense. I think they're going to struggle being that one dimensional. And honestly, when I when I really break it down, I think the way that Tennessee's looked on offense, the way that you've been able to see the way they put up points, they show up in big spots, they don't quit, they're resilient. I think this one is probably all Tennessee. Um, I'm going to go Tennessee minus 11 here, and I could probably take a minus a whole lot more than that. This is such a big number for Tennessee, and I'm going with it also. Um when your quarterback has three more tackles than he has passing touchdowns and he only has three tackles, I'm not going to pick your offense to hang with Hendon Hooker. Uh, listen, you're, you're spot on. They've been, Florida's offense has been one dimensional this whole year. Um, it, it's been run game, zone read, and then maybe hit a play action pass or two to keep the chains moving. I was not impressed with the effort against South Florida last week. And I still believe that them rocketing all the way up to 12 was just such a classic week one overreaction it's it's insane i if we release the second top 25 right now i don't think i would vote for the florida gators in our top 25 poll um i'm all in on tennessee it's 11 is a huge number in a rivalry game 
this is a chance for Josh Heupel's program to really cement themselves on the national scene. It could be a coming out party with all eyes on game day and CBS game of the week, all eyes on that town with the electric offense and a defense that's been way more competent than I expected coming into this game, especially on the ground. I think Mitch, you're going to point that out in a little bit, but you know, they're looking to stake their claim to that number two spot in the East. And I think they might just do it this week. They're probably going to be in a dogfight with Kentucky later in the year, but it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle the pressure and how they handle actual eyeballs being on that program for the first time in a while. I, I wonder if we get like a Marlboro sponsorship for uh Trey's clip that's inevitably oh going to gosh. appear on our, our social media. Um, no, you're doing a great job soldiering through, uh, but, but just, just had to, had to get that jab in. You're right. Tennessee's run defense has been so incredibly surprising this season. I, I remember when we did our season preview for Tennessee and we thought the one thing that would hold this team and probably the, the one thing that will hold this team back is that defense. We were worried. We, we were legitimately worried about that defense. We were very yep. worried. Where's the pass rush going to come from? This team couldn't stop a bloody nose last season. I think they're still vulnerable through the air, uh, but fortunately for the volunteers, you don't have to worry about that this week, at least if the first three weeks are any <laughs> indicator. Trey, you mentioned uh, Anthony Richardson. He's got three tackles, zero touchdowns thrown. Uh, he's The only touchdown that he threw was to the wrong colored jersey. Uh, back against what was it, Kentucky? I think was was when he threw that pick six. So the the passing game has been abysmal for Florida. Anthony Richardson, look, I don't know if he's healthy completely or not, but if you're Tennessee, you've got two weeks of film where you can see teams that tackled and that held Anthony Richardson uh, inside the pocket, that kept him from making game changing plays with regularity with his feet. That's the, that's the only thing that kept Utah from winning that game was they couldn't tackle a blessed thing in the week opener. I think if they do, if, they're, if their secondary steps up, they might win that game. Who knows, right? Revisionist history, hindsight's always twenty twenty. That being said, the most explosive thing in this matchup is Tennessee's offense. I do not believe that Florida can hang with Tennessee. I know it's a rivalry game, so you should get Florida's best shot. But at the same time, Tennessee being at home in a program-defining moment for Josh Heupel, I'm going to lean into that big number with you guys. I'll take the Vols minus 11. Something to be noted, though, with the rivalry game the way that it is, yeah, it's a rivalry game. You should get their best shot. They had a couple of weeks of just, I mean, emotional football Mm -hmm. where you've got Utah, Kentucky, and they had to play some real tough football the first couple weeks going into this game. So... This isn't a, you know, give me your best shot. You're all rested up, geared up, you know, amped up for it. Yes, it's a rivalry game, but they're already kind of drained on some of just the the hype that comes behind some of these bigger games. So that's where I'm a little bit nervous on Florida's ability to actually get up for this one. Nonetheless, stick with the team that we all think is the better team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you could see the rivalry effect go the other way, where sometimes it keeps games incredibly close. I think you could see the Vols run this up at home. Florida has dominated this rivalry for the last two-plus decades. The last time that Tennessee won was, I believe, 2016 when Josh Dobbs was the quarterback. They've got some demons to exercise over the Gators. And look, Billy Napier, I think we all agree, is probably taking this program in a great direction. It it takes a, a setback here this weekend. I think they run into a speed bump. The Vols just boat race the Gators 
Um, so we're all on Tennessee in this one. Let's head to Arlington, another SEC matchup in our third featured game of the week. Number 10, Arkansas, technically on the road in Jerry World against number 23, Texas A&M. The Hogs, a perfect 3-0 record. The Aggies, 2-1 after correcting the ship against Miami last week. Texas A&M, surprise two-and-a-half point favorite. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I mentioned it's at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. ESPN, 6 p.m. kick is where you can find this. Guys, I... I don't know if I'm excited for this game as an Aggie fan or if I'm terrified. I think I should probably be more terrified than I am excited for this. Arkansas got uh, pulled one over on AM for the first time in uh, the SEC history of this series last season. AM looked dreadful in this game. Zach Calzada couldn't do a single thing right, and it cost Texas AM some bad, uh, you know, pass. Past coverage breakups over the top really sunk their ship for the Aggies. This year, I think it's a little bit of a different story considering that AM's secondary has played tremendous football coming in. In fact, if you were to identify a weakness for the Aggies, it's been the run defense right up the middle. They're lacking some true nose interior uh, when it comes to stopping the run. If you try and bounce it around the edge, there hasn't been a lot of success there. But so far this season, offensive lines have gotten that interior push over on the Aggies. Not to mention, Arkansas appears to be America's sweetheart. I mean, there are people across the country rooting for the Razorbacks, a former lovable loser that could not do a single thing right. Now under Sam Pittman, they're contending and, and honestly living inside the top 10. So in my mind, this game comes down to two things. Texas A&M's ability to pass the football, Arkansas's ability to run the football. Arkansas's secondary is decimated with injuries and has played like Swiss cheese this year. They're giving up 352 yards per game through the air. Safety Jalen Catalan, done for the year, uh, will not obviously be available. AM, though, uncharacteristically given up 154 yards on the ground. Most of that is up the middle. So when I look at this, if Arkansas runs the ball well and controls clock like App State did, like Miami tried to do late, I think the Hogs win this game. I really don't think that their talent disadvantage is, is, is featured enough to where they lose this football game. If Max Johnson in his second week starting can throw the ball better and they can spread out this Arkansas secondary, there's no reason why the Aggies should not win this game. They're the more talented team. They should be the more physical team. We'll see if it happens on the field. But in my football rubric, I have to give my my pick to the best unit on the field, and I truly believe that's Texas A&M's defense. I don't like it. I hate that A&M's favored in this game. I don't think they should be, but give me the Aggies, minus 2.5, coming off momentum from that Miami win. I think Jimbo got some things right. I think he's got the focus in the locker room, back where it should be. You have all four freshmen back from suspension like I said, I wrestled with this game, but I, I think I have to pick the Aggies minus the two and a half. Yeah, this is probably the toughest game for me to pick. These are two teams that are coming into this one with just loads of desire, loads of nerves, uh, just based on some of the recent performances. You know, obviously AM dropping the game to Ab State, bouncing back, great defensive effort against Miami, but maybe less a lot to be desired still on offense. Um, and then Arkansas, obviously looking Good, still winning, but you know, not always the prettiest thing when they do. Uh, some slow starts, some some kind of 
slow finishes as well. Um, just kind of trying to hang on to some of these games, but they're still undefeated at this point. This is a statement game for both teams. Both teams, I think, really need to win this game to prove that they are who they want to be, right? Arkansas, they're saying, you know, we're finally making the ascension. We're going to challenge, you know, Nick Saban for the West this year. We're going to be that team. Okay, great. You have to go out and be this game, right? If you're AM and you're building this program, you have to go out and you have to win this game. And, and so, you know, this is a huge game for both teams. On the Arkansas side, They've got a dominant run defense, but they are the absolute worst in pass defense. They cannot stop the pass. This is not an exaggeration. They are statistically the worst in pass defense. 131 out of 131 right now. Um, A&M has been a little bit more well-rounded as a defense. Again, struggling with some of the run fits. They're not quite as experienced there. Um, And I think Arkansas is going to take advantage of that, right? I think Arkansas' strength offensively lines up with the Aggies' weakness on defense. But I also think that where Arkansas struggles is also where the Aggies are strong, right? They don't necessarily pass as well as they run. And the Aggies have a great secondary, right? And so I think this is going to turn into a bit of a one-dimensional thing. And the thing to look for is, can the Aggies shut down the run if they commit to doing that? Can they figure out a scheme? Can they bring extra linebacker in? Like, you know, what are they going to do to stop this? Um, On the flip side... You know, if you're looking at AM with Max Johnson, if you're trying to throw the ball, you're a new quarterback, you'd want to do it against Arkansas right now, right? They are the worst in pass defense. And so you'd like to try to get on track with this. But still to this point, you haven't really seen a quarterback at AM, which whichever one it is, really throw the ball that well. And so you need to see something like that if you're an Aggie fan. Um, and you're probably not going to run the ball particularly well. Again, Arkansas, great rush defense. So Where do I think this game breaks down? I think it breaks down at the quarterback position, which quarterback is going to execute their offense with the most success. And I think this game breaks down to, you know, can, can, you know, can the Aggies shut down some Arkansas run in the early downs to force thirds and long, you know, can the Arkansas defense maybe get to the quarterback before he can distribute it to the more talented playmakers outside and deeper down the field you know, can they cover the backside? There's a lot of things that you got to worry about on both sides. This one might actually come down to special teams and just who can make more plays, either pinning guys with field position, kicking some field goals. I think this is a real tight game. This game always has a flair for the dramatic. I think a and wins, but I think Arkansas covers, and this is a real one to two point, count your timeouts at the end, kick a field goal from distance for the game type of game. So give me a and to win, Arkansas to cover. Yeah, KJ Jefferson and you know Raheem Sanders are going to be an absolute problem, not just for AM this week, but a lot of teams in the SEC are going to struggle to contain that ground attack. And KJ Jefferson's looked a lot better throwing the ball this year as well. He's been more efficient. He's uh, cut down the interceptions a little bit. He's got a high yards per attempt. So offense is looking really, really good, really scary for Arkansas, and they've done it against some solid competition. Missouri State notwithstanding. Last week was a little bit of an abomination with uh, <laughs> Missouri State handing, ha- hanging around for as long as they did. But it's also time that we start talking about the same defense in the company of the elite in the country. I know the rushing D isn't exactly where they want it to be, but not all-important scoring category. You can win a ton of games if you only gave up 8.67 points per game. Like, even if your offense is terrible, you can win a lot of games if you only give up less than nine points a game. So, you know, is that going to be sustainable against KJ Jefferson and Kendall Bryles? They put up a 50 burger against Durkin last year at at Ole Miss. Maybe not, but I've seen some weaknesses in Arkansas this year that I wasn't expecting. They gave up some big plays to Missouri state. 
I think AM can exploit that with the receivers that they're going to get back this week. You go back and watch the Miami game. I think Max Johnson made all the right decisions, but his receivers just weren't getting separation. And that's been a problem that AM addressed in recruiting, but the adjustments in recruiting just weren't available against Miami. <laughs> so hopefully, if you're an Aggie fan, you're hoping that you can see all of that finally come together, the right quarterback making the right decisions, the receivers you recruited to get separation, the defense that you've been putting together for four-plus years now that's finally running at an elite rate. I think all that comes together for AM this week. And honestly, if you just look at the history of the series, like, yes, Arkansas got their win last year. That was a high point for the season last year for Arkansas. And it kind of went downhill from there. They didn't fall completely off the rails. They kept it competitive. They didn't get blown out in a lot of games outside of Georgia. But, you know, that was kind of the high watermark. And that was the game that they th- everyone thought, you know, oh, Arkansas is elite this year. Turns out they were just kind of another SEC West team last year. So I'm picking A&M to minus two and a half. I think A&M has a nice, another nice bounce back week. And I think he's finally start to see the offense start to click a little bit with the good decision-making and the separation at receiver. I do think, look, the A&M offensive line has to get better this week. That's and true. It, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds like the reps that some of these guys have had, the continuity. So it, for those that don't know, A&M's offensive line was basically rotating at the guards and one of the tackle spots cool. for the first three weeks. You got Bryce Foster, your All-American center back. Last week, he was was very, very solid in his first effort. I have to believe that this line, now that it's got some continuity, only gets better. I mean, Steve Adazio, that's what he does. Say what you will as him uh, of him as a head coach, but what he's been known for is building offensive lines that are some of the best in the country. And so it's taken a lot longer than I think a lot of A&M fans thought to get that going, but I think if the Aggies offensive line can give Max enough time to throw, as we've talked about, like this Arkansas secondary is just decimated. They're not good. And so if they're not able to lock down even the, maybe not the the wide receivers that AM has that aren't burners, the chase lanes of this wide receiver core, it took DJ Ivy being a blanket for Miami to to get off the field on a couple of those drives. Arkansas does not have that ability. So I, I, that's why I think that AM can score enough points to at least keep up with whatever the Razorbacks do put on the scoreboard. All right, let's move on to some other big games. Those are our three big headliners. We'll pick up the pace just a little bit here. Number 22, Texas. They go to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Saturday, ESPN, a 2.30 kick. The Red Raiders, six-and-a-half-point home dog this week. Uh, Guys, I feel like if this was a night game, things would be very different in Lubbock, but I'm certainly leaning towards the horns in this one. Trey, I'll let you start. Are you a Red Raider fan this week, or do we think that Texas kind of starts Big 12 play with a bang? I guess I'm stepping into the Red Raider truther role this week because, you know, I was off the Red Raiders last week. I'm going to get back on the bandwagon this week. Uh, it's a battle of the backup quarterbacks, I think. We're pretty sure Hudson Card's starting for Texas, right? Yep. I know Quinn Ewers has been back at practice, but I don't think there's any way he's ready to go for this game Saturday. Um, but Hudson Card, he's handled the pressure of stepping in against Alabama and UTSA well. Could be difficult to move the ball against a Tech defense that I think has been a really pleasant surprise. 
they need Donovan Jones to cut down on those turnovers, though. If he can play a clean game, Tech's going to be in a position to win this game at the end and, you know, maybe definitely cover, but maybe even knock off the Longhorns at home if he can play a clean game. I think it all boils down to that. If Donovan Jones is making plays with his legs, not turning it over with his arm, we're going to be in good shape. If he throws a couple picks, might not be a happy crowd by halftime. So Tech's going to ruin some seasons. Tech's going to derail some seasons. Sorry, Donovan Smith. Um, But uh, Tech's going to derail some seasons this year in the Big 12. But maybe that might start this week. I know they're going to derail at least one, so why not start this week against a hated rival? Yeah, no, this is the part of the season where Texas typically starts to look good. You know, they have the the early excitement against the nobodies. They'll play a big team to start the season, show up, look good, lose a close one, and then right about now is when they blow somebody out, right? This is just about the time when they go out there and they just put up, you know, a 40-point lead and they never look back. It's going to be tough. I think this game being in Lubbock is going to help this Texas Tech team look to rebound a little bit. Um, having this game at home, you know, obviously getting outclassed NC State, um, they were just the better team, right? And I think they learned a lot about that. I think they learned a lot about composure, sticking with it, staying competitive with the better team, being able to hang around and try to make plays despite the fact that you're getting outclassed. That being said, I think they're going to need to get after the quarterback a lot if they're going to succeed. I think that they're just going to be able to do whatever they want to on the Texas side of the football unless they can get after the quarterback. The big matchup for me is Tyree Wilson versus whoever he's lining up against. This Texas tackles, you know, that they did pretty well against Will Anderson. Let's see it again, right? Let's make sure that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't a one-off. This is probably the second best guy you're going to see all year. He's going to be a handful for this whole game, right? He's going to be a lot to handle. So, I think Texas wins this one. I'm going to pick them to cover, but I don't think they cover by, you know, the, the biggest number, right? I, I say this is where they typically blow someone out. I don't think that's this game for them. I think that they end up winning this game by about, you know, 7 to 10, and, and they cover the line, but, you know, they're, they're still working on some stuff. Obviously, losing your quarterback is still the problem here, right? With Quinn, I probably pick this game to be a lot bigger. But, uh, yeah, as it is right now, Horns minus 6.5, give me that line, and uh, they'll keep rolling. I think that Texas is the better team, although they're going to be playing without uh, Damari Novershone in the first half due to that just confusing as all get out targeting call from last week. I just saw through my Twitter feed that his appeal was denied. So the Big 12 upholding one of the worst calls wow, I've seen bad. in a long time. Uh, just an embarrassment to the entire conference. But even without that, Texas and Tech, look, it's going to be a rivalry. They hate each other. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, at 2.30 on ESPN. Texas, to me, they made a statement last week. First half against the Roadrunners, they got outplayed by Jeff Trailer's group. In the past, we've seen Texas fold like a cheap lawn chair coming out in the second half, right? When they get down, they're not necessarily the team that has the stones to come back. But they did last week, and they dominated to the point where they ended up covering there they played a much more complete third and fourth quarter. So to me, they showed me that they do have enough pieces in place to when they start putting together a complete fourth uh, four quarters, they're the better team by far. They can go out and roll a team. Now, I don't think they're going to roll the Red Raiders because Tech has showed me enough flashes on offense and defense. Donovan Smith's got to take care of the football. That pick six last week against NC State in the second quarter, they kind of sunk their ship. 
So mm-hmm. Smith has to take care of the football against a Texas defense that's going to be coming after him. They're going to be trying to rip that ball out of his hands, make him make mistakes early. But I do think that as much as I love my darling in Texas Tech, I didn't predict that they would get this this game against the Longhorns in the preseason. I'm not going to predict that they get it here. I'll take the Horns minus 6.5 on the road in Lubbock. Let's go back to the Big Ten, Maryland. Somehow, 3-0 and after a shootout against SMU last week. They're on the road in the big house. Number four, Michigan welcomes the Terps. Saturday, Fox, 11 a.m. Michigan is a 16.5-point favorite. Guys, Michigan plays an actual opponent this weekend, and I think that's worth celebrating because their first three weeks were a traipse through the cupcake factory, and I will not let them forget about that because that is an abysmal scheduling job. That being said, though, Maryland has a reputation for losing these games in the absolute worst way. I know the the line was so much closer against Iowa last year, and then they made us all want to claw our eyes out. So until Maryland actually does something in one of these big games, big conference games, guys, the Terps are 21-54 and 54 in conference play since joining the Big Ten. They give up an average of 34 points a game in conference mm. contests while only scoring 20. So you throw in that Michigan has an explosive offense, Quorum's running the ball well, J.J. McCarthy has taken over the quarterback battle by force, and you're telling me on average Maryland loses by 14 points? Give me the the, the Michigan Wolverines, the fourth-ranked team in the country, all day, every day at home by whatever the number is. Lock it in. Michigan, you know what? I'm going to go. Michigan is my lock of the week. Yeah, I've been lured into that Terp siren song before last year in that Iowa game that you're referencing. I was all on board that hype train for Maryland. Yeah. I was wanting to meet Scott Van Pelt and the guys at uh, what's that place that they talk about? Bentley's. Let's go to Bentley's. Um, <laughs> so they lose that game 52 to 14. So I'm never hopping on that bandwagon again. Uh, they, they're dead to me in situations like this. I'll root for them to make a bowl, but. They're dead to me in situations like this. Michigan's going to cover this one easily. Yeah, no, this obviously first real game for Michigan, like you were saying. It's coming against a team that I think it's just kind of fool's gold in the Big Ten. Uh, They've been okay-ish against a lot more inferior competition. And Michigan, they've just been humming on all cylinders. I think Blake Corum's dynamic. He's one of the best players across the country right now. I'm going to go ahead and say Mm -hmm. it. He's fantastic. I think he'll end up a Heisman finalist. I I just think he's going to put up the numbers – he's going to be one of the best players, if not the best player and the focal point of this offense for a team that I think probably ends up making the playoff. Now Um, this is a very good team. This is a very good offense. Their defense is underrated. I I would take Michigan with almost any line you put on them. I'd take them to cover 30. Probably. I just, I think they're going to do whatever they want to against Maryland. The only way they don't cover this line is if they're just nice and they just want to be merciful, but (laughs) Uh, I, I don't think so. Shout out, Teddy, Michigan, all day. Yeah, there's another popular podcast that has termed Maryland an elite loser. I agree Ooh. with them wholeheartedly. Oh, oh, oh. That is get... one you want. That's not a moniker you want at all. No, you and know? listen, listen. I want to root for, for the folks in College Park as much as anyone else did, does that, that didn't go to Maryland. But yeah, like, like Trana both said, until you show me you can actually contend in these big games, Sorry, got to take the home team to cover. Let's head right down the road to Ames, Iowa. The Cyclones of Iowa State, they host number 17, Baylor. 
in a conference matchup. Saturday, ESPN 2, an 11 a.m. kick, 2-1 and Baylor against 3-0 and Iowa State. The Clones, two-and-a-half-point favorites here at home. This is a weird line to me, considering that Iowa State, yeah, they play some defense, but that offense barely beat Iowa. Um, Garrett, let's start with you here. Very confusing line. Are are you as flummoxed as I was when I was initially pulling the spread up? Yeah, I'm not sure why that's it. I, I actually went and double-checked this just to make sure you had it right. I, I have faith in you when you put the show doc together, but I know it was a little busy today, so I wanted to just <laughs> make sure that you had everything correct there because I don't know how Baylor isn't a bigger favorite than two and a half here. You know, Iowa State, you know, they won against Iowa kind of by default. And, you know, Baylor, they're trying to make a statement. They're getting back to getting right. You know, they played a couple of kind of nobodies after the disappointing BYU loss. And, you know, that, they kind of sandwiched that loss in there. I think Baylor's getting off to a great start in their conference this week. Um, and they're going to keep this game at our arm's length pretty much the whole time. Give me Baylor plus two and a half. Uh, I'd take a minus two and a half, but I, I guess I'll take the points if I get them. So. Well, known Baylor hater Trey Reeves is going to just show up and rain on this parade here because I'm here to tell you guys, Baylor's two impressive wins have come against Albany and Texas State. I got (laughs) to see them do it against someone other than Albany or Texas State before I believe that they're capable of going on the road and beating a really capable team. Y'all talk about Iowa State defense. They've got a lot of talent on that offense, too. They looked really good last week against, albeit Ohio, but I don't know. It's a weird line. What do we do when we see a weird line, guys? We know, we think about who knows more than we do, and it's usually Vegas. So I'm going to steer right into that weird line. I'm going to take the clones at home in two and a half. I got to see it from Baylor. I just got to see it before I back them. Where's the playmaking coming from? Where's the run game? Where is all that going to come from against a power five or you know, BYU type team. Sure. No, I, I agree. Listen, I'm usually up there in, in uh, the captain's quarters, steering right into these icebergs with you. Did it last week with, with Washington and Michigan state Yep. that paid off in spades. So I know I'm being a little hypocritical here. I I think that the, the end of Brocktober has just kind of left me in emotional pieces and I'm I'm not willing to come back to Iowa State. I'm not willing to love them again. And so not not right now anyway. So listen, Hunter Deckers, I hope the future is beyond bright for you. Um, but I'm gonna roll with the Bears as well. Give me Baylor plus two and a half. I just think they're the better team. Uh could be completely wrong. Maybe the clones win this and send Baylor to two and two. Can I interest you in Deck Timber? Because we're right in the middle of that. Brocktober's dead, but Deck Timber is going to be alive and well this week. Is this a is this a Deck Timber to remember? Is that what you're setting up it here? <laughs> if they win this week, it's a Deck Timber to remember. Absolutely. Lexus, what's up? Uh, not a sponsor could be. We're we're out here doing the Lord's work. Uh, let's go to the Pacific Northwest, gentlemen. Really fun matchup brewing. In uh, Washington State territory, the Cougars hosting Oregon, uh, number 15 Oregon, 2-1 and one Oregon on the road against a 3-0 and Washington State team that pulled off the upset against Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago. This is Saturday, Fox, 3 p.m. kick. Guys, this feels like the, the Florida line in, in week one to me. I have no doubt that Oregon is the better team at every phase, but... 
betting on Bo to be good two weeks in a row is like betting on lightning to strike twice until proven otherwise. He flexed his his might at home last week, but we haven't had an issue with him at home. It's when Bo goes on the road that he typically struggles. I think Oregon probably finds a way to win this, but it's close. And I think the line is certainly intimating that. So give me Wazoo plus six and a half. I, show me show me I'm wrong on the road, bro. I, I think that Oregon's the better team in every phase of this game, but that quarterback and if you if you have a leaky quarterback on the road i'm gonna go with the home dog give me give me the cougs plus six and a half no yeah bonix is due for a regression to the mean don't get me wrong i don't think he puts up another performance like what he did last week and when you really break down the numbers it wasn't that impressive he just played really well i I do think you see a more mediocre week from him but you know can you get okay bow i know we don't really believe in okay bow but could you just get a bow that's all right this week i think oregon found something last week in their offense that just kind of works. I think they got the playmakers. I think they're going to be able to tap into that going forward. And I do think that a better defense, you know, with Oregon, they have a much better defense. They're going to give that offense time to work and kind of figure some stuff out. So go ahead, give me Oregon minus six and a half. I feel pretty good about this one. Uh, I just think they're the better team all the way across. And I'm going to wait for Bo to be so bad that we can't really believe in him anymore. I'm just really struggling to remember the last time we could say that Bo Nix had two games in a row against Power 5 competition where he was actually good. I'm skimming some stats right now. I guess you could say the Ole Miss and Arkansas games last year, he both had he had over 70% completion and a lot of yards in both of those games. I can't find the touchdown stats handily, but I'm with you, Mitch. I don't want to bet on that. I don't want to bet on that happening against a really competent Washington State team. Washington State's defense has looked legit, and they're going to cause a lot of problems for Bo Nix. I think they might be better than BYU's, at least the BYU unit that the BYU unit that they put out last week. So, sure, I'm back in the Cougs plus six and a half. They're one of my darlings. I got to roll with them this week. That's right. That's right. Uh, vote where your heart is. That's uh, that's what Trey and I are doing. I, big big Coog fans here on the show. Wazoo, uh, we we love seeing old Crimson on game day. We'll yeah, roll. y'all and Zach Wilson. <laughs> well, wow, that's a cut. Uh, we'll we'll roll with Wazoo this week. Uh, Trey, we'll come right back to you here for our next game. Wisconsin on the road at number three Ohio State. The Buckeyes will host their next victim Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. It is a 17.5-point line. You and I have very similar show notes and and feels about this game. I I started by saying Graham Mertz is not that guy, pal. He's not that guy. Wisconsin lost to Washington State, albeit what we think is a legit Washington State team at home in Week 2, but... Wisconsin's search for a quarterback just continues, and when you juxtapose it with the offensive death star that the Buckeyes are, I'm taking Ohio State minus the number. It feels like you are as well. Yeah, Ohio State, 17.5, lock of the week for me. Absolute stone-cold lock of the week. I know that's a huge number. I would take it all the way up at 24 because Wisconsin is not going to be able to keep up as long as short of Ohio State just, you know, completely imploding on the offensive side of the ball. Wisconsin's not going to be able to keep up. They're going to have to throw. What they want to do is control the game on the ground. They're not going to be able to do that because they're probably going to go have a couple three and outs trying to do that early in the game. And they're just not going to be able to keep up. 
you're right. Graham Mertz is not that guy. They're still searching for that guy. I love Washington State. Wisconsin had no business losing to Washington State a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. That was just an abysmal performance. So I'm looking for Ohio State to make a huge statement this week. I'd take them, yeah, as high as 24 points if the line was that high. Yeah, no, Wisconsin's looked really disappointing so far. They don't run with any authority. That's just so bizarre for a, a Wisconsin team that, you know, traditionally they're, you know, ground and pound, grind it out, right? Just do what you have to do on the ground, keep it close, keep the scores low. If this is that Wisconsin team, there's no way that they can get out in front by 17. But that's not this Wisconsin team. This is a very different team. They're not going to find that rhythm on the road in Columbus. That's just not going to happen. Buckeyes offense, they got back into full gear last week. I don't think you can see a way that Wisconsin keeps this one anything close to close. This is going to be a snooze fest if you're an impartial bystander. You're going to look at this one for about five minutes and go, oh, they're up by 30? Okay, well, I guess I'll watch something else. So don't watch this one if you value your time, not from a standpoint that it's not going to be good football to watch, uh, but just from the standpoint that it's not going to be entertaining. This is a blowout from the get-go. Well, as this game gets uh, potentially into blowout territory, if you've got the Pac-12 network, which some of you do out there, lucky uh, lucky folks, you can flip over to the Pac-12 network to see number seven USC, a six and a half point favorite on the road, take on the Beavers of Oregon State Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Garrett, you feel very strongly about the Trojans who flex their muscle against Fresno State. I was absolutely wrong about that last week. Right, and we have talked about USC and how none of us were convinced going into the season that this was the year, that the transition was going to be there. Man, they were really impressive last week. I thought that this was going to be a high-scoring affair on both sides last week. And what did they do? They went out, they put up a bunch of points, and they shut them down on the defensive side of the ball. That was really impressive from the Trojans. Uh, The offense, they're staying electric. The defense, they're not going to get pushed around by just some kind of average offense out there on the West Coast. I think Oregon State is an average offense on the West Coast. And so I think USC handles this again. USC minus six and a half. That's my stone cold lock of the week. I'm right there with you. I'm backing the Trojans minus six and a half this week. I wasn't on the pod to defend it on Sunday, but I would put USC in my top five right now. They've looked that impressive on offense. The defense has really surprised me, especially shutting down Jay Kaner and shutting down a conference opponent in Stanford the week before that pretty thoroughly. Um, Oregon State's got a lot to play for, though. Things get weird in Corvallis. This is going to be a close game. I think Oregon, I think USC wins it right at by a touchdown. Oregon State's got a lot to play for. They've got a really good team this year, and they're still going to compete in the North after this game. But yeah, give me USC right at a touchdown. I, I agree. I, I think Oregon State finds a way to keep this close. Um, just a couple of stats for you. They're they're actually better than average offensively. They're 36th in total passing yards, but they're 21st in points scored at 45.7 points a game. So I think the Beavers have enough chainsaws to keep this close and keep up with USC for the majority of the game. USC's defense, though, is is making me eat some crow. They've played very, very well. They looked good against Jake Hayner, a team that I thought was going to expose USC for how average that defense was. Um, the, the takeaways continue to be an asset for the Trojans, so... I just like more on the side of USC, but agreed. Do not fall asleep on Oregon State if they do lose this game. Certainly not if they win this game. But if they lose this, do not count them out of that Pac-12 North race. I think there's a very good chance that Oregon State contends for the Pac-12 North title. And I know uh, we've we've said that a couple times now on the podcast. 
Let's head back south. Let's go to Schoonerland, Oklahoma, a 13-point favorite. They host Kansas State Saturday, Fox, on seven uh, at 7 p.m. Kansas State 2-1 after dropping a head-scratcher to Tulane last week, a game in which Tulane only converted one-third down and still won that football game. Oklahoma's 3-0. They boat-raced Nebraska in Lincoln last week. I'll say this. Kansas State owned Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. Their last three games, Kansas State pulled two outright upsets, and the third game was a nail-biter that, that came down to the absolute wire. I'll also say this. I don't trust Adrian Martinez, guys. I tried I tried to hype him up. I know we were yeah. very positive on it. A change of scenery, some new weapons. How could he not succeed? He's not, <laughs> he's, he's not succeeding. Um, I do feel like Deuce gets his touches. He, he always plays well. I think he's going to continue to play well on the road, just a place that Kansas State, for whatever reason, has success, but OU wins this game. By 13, I don't know about that. So I'm going to say Kansas State drops to 2-2, two and two, but they come out mad and embarrassed after a bad performance against Tulane last week. Look, I've got a Tulane helmet up on my, uh, up on my wall behind me here. I love the look. They should not have beaten Kansas State. They really shouldn't have even hung around with Kansas State. So the Wildcats flex a little bit. They do lose this game, but they covered the 13-point spread. Oh, yeah, no. Kansas State, they couldn't pass the ball. You hit it right on the head. They could not pass the football. They got exposed as one-dimensional. Tulane loaded up the box, and they stopped their run. Will things get better against OU? They've been rolling so far. They've got a defensive-minded coach. I actually think yes. I think yes, things are going to get better this week. Kansas State, they're going to bounce back. They're going to be pissed. They're going to be ready to go. And I think they're going to give Oklahoma everything they can handle. I still don't know that Oklahoma's played a very good team yet. And I think that's going to kind of get exposed this week when they have to go up against a team who's going to match them. They're going to be physical and they're going to be playing with a lot of motivation. I do think the Sooners win this one, but I think this is a too close for comfort. Everything you want more. And they get out of there feeling very fortunate that they won that game. So give me Kansas State plus 13, but Oklahoma to win. Yeah, not a lot to add from what you guys have already said. This will definitely be the best team that Oklahoma's already played. Kansas State's going to keep it close, but I think OU pulls it out in the end. Guys, let's head to the actual true game of the week. We've we've just been teasing yeah. you with with fake headliners, fake news. Let's go to the game that the people are backing, that America wants to see on every TV screen around the country. Saturday on FS1, 11 a.m. I can't wait till they just smash the viewership records. We have an undefeated Duke against an undefeated Kansas in yes. football. And it's not, not in basketball. One. And it's not week one. And it's not week one. That's a great point. <laughs> These teams have played actual real live opponents. They have beaten them on the scoreboard, not just in a video game. Kansas, a seven and a half point favorite. Guys, I'll turn this over to you. I think Trey and I from our notes have the same pick. Garrett, we'll let you lead off here. Where are you leaning? Why are you leaning that way? Okay, so again, this is the game of the week. Okay, we, we've been stressing this. This is the game of the week. Duke is coming in. They've got a great defense. Okay, they're playing really well under Elko, their new head coach, and they're playing on fire for him, right? The Kansas offense is actually good. Okay, this Kansas offense is a good offense, not just for Kansas, not just compared to previous years. This is a good offense. They run really well. Everyone knows their assignments. Everyone knows what their job is, and they seem to know sort of what to do with their players and how to get the most out of them. 
I think that this is going to be electric in Lawrence. And this is, again, what, for an 11 a.m. game? This is going to be an electric environment. I think they're going to be up early and ready to go. As far as the game goes, I think this Kansas offense plays at a really high level. They're going to execute. They're going to do exactly what they need to do. And I think they're going to make enough plays to end up winning this game. But I do think Duke keeps it really close. I don't think this is as high scoring as Kansas had previously, but I could see this being sort of a, a 35 to 31 final where they both end up sort of in a, in a high scoring affair, but not just blowing it up, running up and down both sides of the field. I think they're going to they're, they're gonna take advantage of some mistakes. I don't think the Kansas defense is quite ready to shut it down yet. So I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say that Kansas is going to blow them out the water. But yeah, give me Duke plus seven and a half in a game that Kansas wins. Yeah, I am fully on board with Kansas this, this game. And honestly, this year, I think they're going to be extremely fun to watch and extremely fun to follow this year. They're going to ruin some seasons in the Big 12. They've already kind of ruined Houston's season. You saw the frustration yep. boiling over on the sideline last week. And they're doing that with a really, really fun offense. Guys, either y'all want to guess how many points per game they're scoring so far. Uh, I believe it's That's a over, whole bunch. It's over fifty, right? Fifty-three points yeah. per game. They are oh my lighting up the scoreboard. They're throw and they're doing it with a balanced attack. They're running more than they're passing. They're getting two hundred and sixty rushing yards a game. Jalen Daniels has been just an absolute joy to watch at the quarterback position. That type of just really fun, not really an option, but not really a pure spread attack either. Kind of reminds me of those old Oregon teams a little bit. Um, they're just a ton of fun to watch, man. I'm, I'm rolling with Kansas this week. I think they're actually going to have a packed house at their stadium for maybe the first time in a long time. And sure. fans seem really, really excited. So game of the week, give me Kansas, locking it up at home. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to lock up the Jayhawks as well. I, I've got some friends that work in the Jayhawk uh, athletic department, so I know they're really pumped for this week. Yeah, Trey, you hit the nail on the head with the offense. They've scored 50-plus twice this year. They missed it against Houston by two. Think about that. The Kansas Jayhawks against the team that we were talking about as a dark horse playoff contender. I had them going undefeated in my preseason projections and Kansas hung 48 on them. Just incredible. The, the job that Lance Leipold has done there in Lawrence, I mean, he's been dipped in the healing waters of, of Nick Saban's football academy. <laughs> it is transformational what we've seen the Jayhawks do. I do think that just because their offense is so explosive, even though Duke has a better defense than anybody projected, I think Kansas at home finds a way to put up more points than what the Blue Devils can match. So I'll go Kansas minus the seven and a half as well. If y'all don't follow, just real quick on Kansas, if y'all don't follow Coach Dan Casey on Instagram, he's the offensive coordinator for Episcopal High School in Houston. He does amazing film breakdowns of just high school, college, NFL teams. He did a really fun breakdown of Kansas this past week. Highly recommend you check it out. There you go. Go watch some more Kansas football willingly uh, and, and enjoy <laughs> it. All right, so those are the main games. Those are the games that we think at any time could be the main feature on your screen, wherever you may be, however you may be watching. But here are some second screen games, other games that you need to be paying attention to as we go throughout our weekend. Let's start with a couple that begin before the Saturday slate. So as you're listening to this, You've got West Virginia at Virginia Tech coming up tonight, Thursday night. 
Mountaineers are one and two. The Hokies are two and one. This is a really, really bizarre game for two teams that have already massively underachieved. And you you may say, well, Virginia Tech's two and one. Yeah, but that loss to Old Dominion was as, as bad as it can get. And they've not really looked all that good in the two weeks since. Grant Wells had a good performance last week, but still, Hokies are far from a competitive team. West Virginia on the road, point and a half favorites. Guys, I'm going to steer into this one. I, I know the Hokies, look, I love them. I want them to be competitive. I am selfishly rooting for them, but the Nears are the better team. That offense will should travel on the road. Give me the Nears plus the one and a half, or minus the one and a half, sorry. I'll take... Virginia Tech very timidly uh, plus the point and a half. If you're betting on this game, if you're planning on putting some currency on this game, please don't. Just just don't back either of these teams. They Neither of them deserve your investment. No, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take Virginia Tech as well. I don't really like this one. Um, it's kind of a win-by-default game, and I just don't really believe in either one. I honestly kind of think – Whoever would have been favored, I would have picked the dog just because I don't believe in either team. So yeah. <laughs> I don't have a great vibe on this one. I just think, yeah, are you going to say that West Virginia ends up taking a point and a half? I don't know. I'd rather have points in this game than a team. That's my legit mindset on this game, too, is uh, you have to pick <laughs> it for the show. So give me the dog. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Friday night, we've got some fun football. If you're not a uh, high school football fan, you can turn on Virginia, they're two and one uh, in Upper New York to take on secure uh, Syracuse three and zero. Oh, my Syracuse Orange that suddenly, I mean, I'm just I, I berated them in my preview. They've won me. They've won me over. I'm rooting for them each and every week. They're three and zero. Oh. They're nine point favorites against the Cavs wow. coming into the Rest in Peace Carrier Dome. Again, I'm not recognizing whatever wireless company has that. It's Friday night, <laughs> nine-point spread. You guys are both back in the who's – or uh, I'm sorry, Garrett's taking the Q's, minus the nine. I'll let you explain your case in just a second. Trey and I are both back in the who's, plus the nine. But I'm going to take the Q's to win outright. I just think nine is a weird point spread. And listen, the Q's, I don't know that they've given me any reason to believe that they can blow out a team. All due respect to Louisville, I think that was a fluke. Uh, but that passing attack, not – not up to snuff when it comes to blowing out a team. So, Garrett, you're back in Syracuse, minus nine. You think they can pull away. Yeah, I just, you know, maybe Louisville was a fluke, but then Purdue was also a fluke. And I just feel like there's too many flukes, and we got to start putting some respect on the Syracuse. They might actually be okay. I'm not saying they're going to go out and be world beaters. I wouldn't pick them to beat Kansas. But, you know, I, <laughs> I just think that Syracuse here, minus the nine against Virginia, who really hasn't impressed me so far. I'm going to Syracuse until they prove that I shouldn't pick them anymore. Louisville, UConn, Purdue is a really nice resume so far this early in the season for Syracuse. Louisville and Purdue getting both of those wins is really nice. I'm still going to take Virginia to cover this nine-point spread. I think this is going to be a lot of scoring on a Friday night. Could be a, could be a lot of fun in, in the northeast part of the United States. All right, four more games. We'll jump around here. Uh, we've got the Iron Skillet that Trey and I will be at. 2-0 TCU rolls into Dallas to take on 2-1 SMU. Guys, I think we're all taking the ponies this week, plus the two. Am I am I correct there? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, take SMU. Easy. So I think the ponies... In the stadium. You can't come yeah, in the stadium and say I picked TCU. So That's right. I think the ponies have the offense that just blows TCU off the field. We don't really yep. know what TCU is capable of. They beat... 
maybe the worst team in the FBS in Colorado soundly in week one. They beat Tarleton State in their second game. SMU, I think, should have beaten Maryland last week. They just, their defense couldn't stop anybody. Uh, so I, as far as competing against another team that has an equally as explosive offense in Maryland, I can see how they drop that. I don't necessarily know that I trust TCU's offense. So give me the ponies plus two. It's a sold out rivalry game. You're telling me there's a home dog here in in a very vicious rivalry game where Sonny Dykes, who was SMU's coach, went across town to TCU and then SMU hired Rhett Lashley for more money than TCU played Sonny Dykes. Oh, give me the ponies in a vengeance (laughs) game, no doubt here. The other three games that we've got on this schedule... I'll let you guys pick where we go here. We've got Missouri at Auburn. Auburn a seven-point favorite at home. Notre Dame on the road against the most improbable 3-0 team in the country in UNC. The Tar Heels are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And then Minnesota, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Michigan State. Garrett, lead us off here. Out of those three games, which one, if you had to sit down and watch it, would you sit down and watch uh, well, I'd be watching the matchup in the SEC, Missouri and Auburn, and it's entirely because I think this is the moment where the SEC gains a seller team. Um, look, I'm going to pick Missouri to win that one outright. Um, I think Auburn's really bad at football. And, and here's kind of the thing. In the SEC, at least in the SEC West, every five to ten years, a team takes a turn in the seller. Right? Arkansas just got done with their stint. We thought, you know, is it going to be Mississippi State? Maybe Auburn's a little bit down. LSU was kind of bad the last couple of years. It's Auburn. Okay, it's Auburn's turn in the cellar. This is going to be the last time they're favored by seven in a while, probably, outside of, you know, UMass or something like that. But, yeah, Auburn is not good at football. They got exposed by Penn State, and I think they're going to get exposed by Missouri, who I think actually ends up winning this game. So that's going to be the one I'm watching just for the just for the upset. Garrett, he asked you which one you'd prefer to watch. Are you okay? <laughs> yes, a, absolutely. I'm also on record saying I want to watch Luther Burden play football. So yeah, I'll watch fair. him play football all the time. That's fair. I'm really interested in this Notre Dame-UNC game. Can Notre Dame keep up with that North Carolina offense? I It's only a one-and-a-half point spread for North Carolina at home. That seems like a really tasty line to me. I, I think... I don't know. I don't know if the Lions just haven't caught up with how bad Notre Dame's offense has been and how good UNC's offense has been. Now, listen, UNC's defense can't stop a nosebleed, but I don't think that they have to worry as much about that against this anemic offense of Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. I think UNC might embarrass the Fighting Irish this weekend at home. Yeah, what what part of Tommy Reese yelling expletives into Drew Pine's headset during last week against the Cal Bears? Would, would lead people to back the Fighting Irish on the road in Chapel Hill. I, I don't see it. Now, this is where college football is beautiful. Sunday, we could be talking about Notre Dame winning by 14 against UNC and questions surrounding if Mac Brown is coaching for much longer. That could happen. And if it does, I'm probably going to clip this audio and lead off the next episode with it. But until that happens, I cannot back the Fighting Irish and any excuse for offense that they have Gimme UNC at home, uh, minus the one and a half. We're all on the Tar Heels. If Notre Dame wins this game by 14, we're going to be talking about how much Ohio State lost by, Michigan lost by. Like, if that happens, it's the worst day in college football. Every good team lost. There's no way they're winning this game by 14 points. They're just not that good. 
Last game that we need to mention, 3-0 Minnesota. They're two-and-a-half-point uh, point favorites on the road against 2-1 Michigan State. Sparty's licking their wounds after getting embarrassed at Washington last week. Guys, I'm taking the Big Ten West champs, Minnesota Golden Gophers, to run all over Sparty. I don't care that it's a road game. Give me Minnesota. I'll row the boat all the way to a payday. Rank the Gophers, you cowards. They're really good. Okay, they just lost their number one receiver, though. Um, so that's that's a tough blow for them. But they've got. I don't a need little- a receiver to run the ball. Exactly. You got Mo Ibrahim. You don't need a number one receiver, man. You can just throw the ball to somebody down there. Okay. But um, yeah, I think Minnesota comes back. Michigan State. It's a gut check game for them. They just got blown yeah. out on the West Coast. So how are they going to respond against probably the best team in the opposite division? I think Minnesota is going to win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, that division in the Big Ten is what I'm going to start just calling the dark side of the Big Ten. Nothing good is going on over there. I, I I know that you guys are high on the Gophers. I don't know if I'm just not there yet. You know, I'm I'm a little slow to the bandwagon on this one. I'm going to take Michigan State to bounce back in this one against a, a team in a division where it doesn't seem like anyone wants to play good football over there. So I'll just take the division as a whole and count that against Minnesota completely unfairly. So that's what I'm doing. We're going to leave you back in Dallas when Minnesota wins the Big Ten and Trey and I go to their victory parade. Absolutely. Go ahead. It's just saying that right now. I'm devastated. In Pasadena to go watch a Gopher Rose Bowl. Hey now. Hey now. (laughs) I'm I'm very much down. All right, let's wrap this episode up with our ledger picks. Uh, I forgot to write down our ledger standings. Trey leads by one game. I'm one game behind him, and I'm one game over Garrett. So, again, the train just continues. I think we both, or all three of us, went 2-2 two and two last week. I think that's the second week in a row maybe that we've done that or the second time this season. Regardless, Trey, you currently lead in the ledger standings. I will turn it over to you, my friend. Perfect. So I'll start with who I'm giving Garrett. Um, we got the Battle of the Bayou this week where Louisiana goes up to take on ULM and Terry Bowden's fighting Warhawks. It's only a nine-point spread in the rivalry game. I'm going to back Louisiana and give Garrett ULM, um, just a team that has not looked very good at all this year. And a, UL, a Louisiana team that's coming off a loss at Rice, but seems like they're rallying around that and going to use that as motivation, at least if you just believe what's said on Twitter. Mitch, mm-hmm. here we go. We're gonna get we're gonna get feisty with this one. I'm gonna take the home lucky dog of the week, my lucky dog of the week, the Rutgers Scarlet Knives Knights, catching seven and a half against Iowa at home in Piscataway this Saturday. Y'all said Kansas Duke is the game of the week. This is gonna be <laughs> one you will not want to take your eyes away from. <laughs> Give me Rutgers plus seven and a half. Mitch, you can have Iowa. Maybe is they going to be able to cover more than a touchdown spread against the power five team? I don't think so. I don't know. Rutgers beat Boston college. So who knows? Um, yeah, this is going to be the punt off in Piscataway. I think is what it's being termed this week. I don't feel good at all about backing Iowa. Now I was probably the better team question mark, Maybe, but Rutgers, Rutgers could very easily score a lot of points. I mean, they've, they've shown that ability. Their defense is the question mark, but and again, I mean, you could run out eighth graders against Iowa and you still might pitch your shutout. So, uh, Trey, <laughs> Trey, I think you're you're very, very secure back in Rutgers there. I'm going to take Eastern Michigan minus six against Buffalo, giving Trey the winless Bulls. Now, I know they competed against Coastal last week, but that was a turnover fest. And I believe that nothing positive can be gleaned from turnover fest. So, 
Eastern Michigan, who just went on the road and got Herm Edwards fired, is only a six-point favorite. Give me the factory. Give me the Eagles uh, in that one. Trey will have to back Buffalo. And then I'm giving Garrett App State, which you may wonder, why on earth are you giving them App State, America's sweetheart? For this simple reason, they're playing a team that is just unknown to most in the James Madison Dukes. This is their first year playing FBS-level football. They are ineligible for the postseason. And guess what, guys? The Dukes don't care. They have played some very fine football so far this season. They're catching seven in Boone. App State's on the emotional roller coaster, man. Like They are high on life, and eventually you have to come down. I think James Madison's a team that can at least keep it close. I don't know if they win outright, but seven, given the circumstances, I'll back the Dukes against Garrett, who has to take Boone. Not this week, buddy. No chance. Um, No, okay. I'm going to go real quick. I wanted a couple of good offenses, so I just took a look around the country, and I took good offenses versus teams I'm not sold on. Uh, Mitch, against you, I'm taking Michigan minus the 16.5 versus Maryland. And Trey versus you, I've got Tennessee minus 11 versus florida good luck keeping up with these offenses big scoring fests uh yeah we'll see you later i'm really excited about this weekend gentlemen a lot of fun games Uh, as we keep mentioning trey and i will be at a rivalry game this week we'll have uh, all kinds of content for you there we'll keep you up to date on what's going around the country on our instagram and twitter so be uh, be sure to head over to at three tech pod give us a follow there If you've made it to this point in the show, I'm assuming you're a big fan of us. If you have not already left us a rating, please do so. It continues to help us grow and uh, for other college football fans to find us more easily. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening to our week four preview. Until next time, so long, everybody. (laughs) 